Uh, just open up your Bible. We're going to go straight into God's Word and just to see what the Holy Spirit will do this morning, okay? Because as I said, we haven't got a message prepared, but I just wrote down a couple of scriptures which really spoke to me. And that we sang this morning that beautiful line, Here in your presence I'm made new. Here in your presence I'm made new. Here in your presence I'm made new. And what I want to say to you this morning is that in the presence of God, you can see who you really are. You see, God declares who you really are. This world does not declare who you are. God declares who you are. Just like has been said already by the Spirit this morning, when we think of that little child, little Malachi, uh, is it Marguerite's little grandson, the love of a parent for that child isn't waiting to see how the child will turn out. Do you agree with that? I'll say it again. The love of a parent for a child doesn't wait to see how the child will turn out. This is how God demonstrated his love for us. While we were still, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, this is what we call the forgotten gospel. Because what has happened is over the years, when we're living in this earth, the whole earth has got a spirit in it called the spirit of the world. And the spirit of the world is transactional. The spirit of the world is we make God out to be in the image of a man. Someone once said, God made us in his image and we returned the favor. We made God out in our image. Man is transactional. If you'll do this for me, then I'll do that for you. That's transactional. Where do we see that broken? Only with a, a parents and their children. Parents will lay down their life for the child. Parents will always see the child as their child, irrespective of what they do. And so what the Holy Spirit does, he comes to restore to us the vision of the Father. You need the Holy Spirit to understand the gospel. You need the Holy Spirit to believe. This gospel is so good, you can't believe it apart from the Holy Spirit. It's not possible. Now, if you have a religious version of the gospel, you can believe that apart from the Holy Spirit. Everybody in the world believes God is good to good people. But bad people will get their deserves. Everybody believes that. Every religion in the world sees that because that's carnal, natural thinking. You don't need the Holy Spirit to believe that. What you'd need the Holy Spirit to believe is that God justifies the ungodly. That's what you need the Holy Spirit to believe. See, anything apart from the Holy Spirit, you're left by yourself to try and work out your salvation by yourself. You're going to try and save yourself. And that's what religion does. It offers you a way to save yourself. Here's what you need to do to be a real Christian. Try reading your Bible more. Try going to more meetings. Try praying harder. Try giving more. Try doing this. Try doing that. Come to church for the next 30 years and we'll teach you all these things you need to do to be a real Christian. That's not the gospel. Don't tell people what they need to do. Tell them who they are in Christ. That's the gospel. But you can't do that apart from the Holy Spirit. Even Jesus said, the Holy Spirit is upon me. After 30 years, he waited and he stood up one day and he said, the Holy Spirit is upon me to preach the gospel that now I can say to the broken, you are free. Now I can say to the blind, you can see. Now I can say to the unforgiven, you are forgiven. Now I can say to the lame, you can walk. Now I can say to the dead, you are alive. And when he said that, by the Spirit, those people stood up. Praise God. We sang it again this morning. In your presence, I know my name. He spent one afternoon with a man called Zacchaeus, a thief. A man whom the whole town of Jericho hated because he'd stolen from everybody. And after that afternoon, midway through that afternoon, that little man stood up and said, I'll tell you who I am. I'm the man who's giving back four times what I stole. And Jesus said, can everybody see who he is? He too is the son of Abraham. Can you see who he is? Nobody at that time 
could see who that man is. They saw him by the flesh. He's a thief. He stole from my father. He stole from my mother. He stole from everybody. He's a thief. Only Jesus saw him for who he was in eternity. But that man could not be who he is in eternity if somebody had not spoken that into him. You see? In your presence, I will find my name. In your presence, people find their name. So it's like when Tony and Eileen walk into that shop. In the presence, because they carry the presence of God. In the presence of God, you can hear your name. Somebody can hear God loves you. You're the one he died for. You're the one who's been reconciled to God by the blood of Jesus. That's who you are. And if you're speaking by the Spirit, and if you're speaking the truth, guess what? The Holy Spirit witnesses with that individual. I am hearing the truth. And in that moment, he becomes who God declares him to be. By anything he did? No. You know why? He didn't even believe by himself. He didn't even believe it. Because it's not possible to believe apart from the Holy Spirit. Amen. Isn't this beautiful? Amen. All my life I heard the gospel as, here's what you need to do in order for God to save you. No, Jesus said this, apart from me you can do. I think you're learning this gospel. <laughs> apart from me you can do nothing. The gospel is not asking people to repent and then God will save them. You cannot repent apart from the Holy Spirit. And how does the Holy Spirit come to people? By the preaching of the gospel. By the telling people how much they're loved. Tell people that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself and is no longer counting their sins against them. Tell them that and see what the Holy Spirit will do. He will witness to the truth. Don't tell them they need to reconcile themselves to God and then he'll do something for them. They can't reconcile themselves to God. Here's the good news. What they could not do, God did. God did. Wow. You see, I'm saying this to myself because just like as a child grows up, they get so used to the fact that the sun shines and my heart beats and I breathe and, and I, they don't see the wonder of it anymore. Church, we've lost the wonder of the gospel. Not the wonder of the gospel. This is the power of the gospel. That we have genuine good news for people. Not good advice. Not what they need to do for God. What he has done for them. And speak it to them in the power of the Spirit. And amazing things happen. The Spirit enables them to stand up and be whom God declares them to be. So I want to show you this morning is that in the presence of God, you discover your name. And you and I have been filled with the presence of God. That we can tell people their name. That we can speak to them as loved. That we can speak to them as reconciled. Because how did you learn your name? If I choose a child, Joel, what age are you now, Joel? Seven. Joel, how did you learn your name? How did you know your name is Joel? How do you know that? Who told you? Yeah. Mom and dad, isn't that right? Mom and dad. Now, how does Joel be absolutely convinced at the age of seven that his name is Joel? Because his mom and dad never changed his name. Ever. Even on the day when he misbehaved. Did you change his name, Prisca? No. Never. <laughs> never changed his name. Now, how are you going to convince people? How are people's hearts to be persuaded that they have a father in heaven who loves them? Because he knows their name and he speaks their name. My sheep know my voice and I call them by their name. You and I are given the Holy Spirit that we call people by their name. I remember once I was preparing a message and I wrote these words. I am not... I, I wrote, actually, 
Imagine, imagine God saying this to you. I wrote it. Imagine God saying this to you. And as soon as I wrote that, I had a real check in my spirit. And I thought, what, what have I done? What have I done? I read it again. Imagine God saying this to you. What's wrong with saying that? I asked God, imagine God saying that to you. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said this. I did not give you my spirit so you could tell people to imagine God speaking to them. I give you my Holy Spirit so that I can speak to them through you. That's why you're given the Holy Spirit, that you can be the voice of God to people. You know, Jesus went around. He didn't go around telling people what they needed to do in order for their sins to be forgiven. He looked at people and he said, I declare unto you, your sins are forgiven. Get up and be a new person. Get up and walk. In the power of the Holy Spirit, you can do that. You cannot do that apart from the Holy Spirit. Because if you have not got a revelation yourself that you have been forgiven, you can't pass it on to anybody else. Freely you have received, freely give. That's why we preach the gospel here every Sunday. Because you're not hearing this anywhere else. You will not hear this out there. The Word will not tell you who you are. It'll tell you who you could be. I'll speak about this next Sunday. The difference between a home culture and a school culture. You see, at home, they tell you who you are. At school, they speak about who you could be if you do your homework. And the Holy Spirit is bringing a transition in the church from school to home. It's like the father said to the prodigal son, Son, you don't know who you are. You need to come home. You need to come home to my table, this table. Discover who you are. Be who you are. Wow, I haven't even started yet. Okay, scripture. Second letter of Paul to Timothy. I'll give you one verse. Second Timothy, and those of you who know me know what the verse is already. Second Timothy 1, verses 9 and 10. Speaking this morning about, could it be possible that God has a name for people in eternity? That he has a plan for people in all eternity? Could it be possible that there are people like Saul of Tarsus walking the streets of Derry, walking the streets of Croydon, walking the streets of Ireland, acting like Saul of Tarsus, and yet that's not their name. That's not who they are. They're actually apostles. They're actually prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. But God's waiting for an Ananias to be filled with the Spirit to see them as who they are and to dare to speak out who they are to them. Praise God. And this is a scripture, 2 Timothy 1, 9 and 10. It speaks of the Lord who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works. If you have a pen, underline that in your Bible. You have not been called a Christian because of your works. You're not called in your holy name, according to your works. It's not about your record. Nobody comes to this table based on their record. You come here based on Christ's record. Praise God. Because of what he has done. You're not called according to your works. But according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted to us in Christ from all eternity, as before you were born, grace and peace was given to us in Christ and has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. The gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation. Because when the gospel is preached in the power of the spirits, men and women see who they are. In the presence of God, you get your name. In the presence of God, the Holy Spirit witnesses that this is my name. I am called to be a child of God. Even though I've lived a life uh, totally grasping for life, hurting people, a life of sin, that's not who I am in God. In God, I have been cleansed. In Him, in Christ, 
everything has been done that's necessary. Now, I'm going to show you a beautiful picture here from the nativity story of the fact that your calling is eternal. It's even before you were born, okay? This is a lovely picture. Turn to Luke chapter 1. I want to show you somebody operating in their eternal calling. And Marguerite and Carolyn both mentioned this this morning, concerning, in fact, how a child is loved before they're even born. The Father has a call and a purpose, not according to your works. Well, if it's not according to your works, can you see that it's not according to your birth? It's not according to the fact that he's waiting until you're born to see how you're going to turn out before he names you. No, I remember our children. I mean, sometimes uh, from an earthly point of view, we name our children at different times. I remember we got Christopher's name, Nicola, while you were sitting in the bath the night before he was born. Is that correct? Now, the others, I'm not quite sure. We, we got them. <laughs> different. But, you know, your parent will normally have your name before you're born. Isn't that right? Actually, in Scripture, you're named on the day of your circumcision. We'll come back to that in a moment, you know. You're named and you're cutting off. In Christ, you were cut off from your old life. So, actually, at the cross, you got a new name. Praise God. You just need to hear that name by the Spirit. You need to hear that. Here is a beautiful picture of somebody hearing their name, their calling, because of the presence of God. In the presence of God, you know your name. Look at this. This is Luke chapter 1 from verse 39. Mary, full of the Holy Spirit, carrying the Savior. How can you not be full of the Holy Spirit if you're carrying the Savior? She draws near Elizabeth. Do you know what Jesus said would happen when the kingdom of God drew near people? They would have a metanoia. They would repent. You want people to repent? Be full of the Holy Spirit and draw near them with the gospel in your mouth. Then you'll see your repentance. Praise God. Now, look at this. At this time, it says... Luke 1 verse 39, Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. All Mary said was, hi. And look what happened. Verse 41, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and she cried out with a loud voice, bless the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me. For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leapt in my womb for joy. Do you know a fetus can feel joy? Yeah. Woo! That's what it says here. For joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. How does she even know that? She cannot know that except by the Spirit. She is filled with the Holy Spirit and she is prophesying and declaring who Mary really is. In the earthly realm, who does she know her by? She's my poor cousin from Nazareth. That's who she is. She's about a 17-year-old girl. But in the Spirit, who is she? The mother of my Lord. Wow. And who is it in her womb? Who is it in Elizabeth's womb that's jumped for joy? John the Baptist. The one who in 30 years' time would stand up point at Jesus and say, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. What's he doing in the womb? He's doing that. That's what he's doing. He's jumping for joy. My Savior. He isn't even born yet. And yet the call in his life is so strong. Why? Because when the presence of God comes near, you know who you are. Even in the womb. Praise God. That's powerful, isn't it? Oh, we want to be so full of the Holy Spirit that when we speak to people, they know who they are. You know what that may look like? It may look like you taking a battering from somebody and just smiling back and forgiving them. What did it look like to Christ? It looked like him hanging on the cross. And 
when all of hell was saying, do something to save yourself. He simply says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. See, you can do that when you know exactly who you are, when you know this world can give you nothing, and getting down off that cross can give you nothing, because all things have already been given unto you. That's what you can do. You can let the whole world crucify you, and it doesn't change who you are. So when you know who you are, when the church rises up to know who we are, we can walk a different walk. Through thick and thin and desperation and difficult circumstances, we can still hold on to our thanksgiving. We can still hold the, the, the gospel, the atmosphere of heaven in the worst situations this Christmas because we're not looking to this world to save us and we're not looking to ourselves to save us. We know who we are because we've been in the presence of God. We've been in the presence of God. We've seen and we've felt the kiss on our forehead. You know, in, in, the, in the book of Genesis where it says that God blessed Adam, that word literally means to, to kneel down and to bless. Wow, almost a kiss, you know. This is what God did. He's raised us up so much, you know. He's raised up so much we don't even, we don't even know it. So here's John the Baptist leaping. Uh, and this whole chapter is full of examples like that, praise God. Even when we go over the page, uh, well actually, later on, there's Zacharias, John the Baptist's father. He couldn't believe it. He had been a religious man all his life. And at an old age, an angel appeared to him. Remember when he was serving God behind the temple and said, your wife Elizabeth is going to have a baby. Even though she might be over 60, whatever, she's going to have a baby. He could not believe it. And his mouth was shut. The angel said, your mouth will be shut now because you have not believed. And that's what religion has done to us. It shut our mouth. We're not able to prophesy. The more religious you are, the less you're able to prophesy. You're not able to look at sinners and declare who they are in Christ because you can't even see yourself that way. His mouth was shut until, strangely enough, the day they came to name John the Baptist. The day of circumcision. Eight days old, they came to name him. And his family wanted to name him after his family, his earthly record. Name him after your grandfather. Name after... And Mary, Elizabeth said, no, 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 his name is John. And they said, that can't be right. Let's ask his father. So they asked Zacharias and he asked, he asked for a, a stone and, a, and he wrote, his name is John. And the moment he wrote that, his mouth was opened and he began to prophesy about his own son. And that's what happens when you will come into agreement with the gospel. When you will come into agreement with who God declares you are, then you can prophesy over others. But you can't prophesy like that if you will not accept the fact that you are who he says you are by the grace of God. Not by your works, not by your church works, not because you said a prayer 30 years ago. No, 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 no. You are who you are by the grace of God. Because you were not alone when you said that prayer. You could not have said that prayer except by the Holy Spirit. For no man can see Jesus as Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So you and I can take no glory, no credit for saving ourselves. And you know why God made it that way? Because he was gracious to us. Because if you and I actually thought that we'd done something to save ourselves, you'd be in bondage the rest of your life thinking, oh my God, I need to keep doing what I was doing. What, what, what was it I did? Paul wrote to the Galatians and he said, I only have one question for you, just one. Did you receive the Spirit by the hearing of faith or by the works of the law? Having begun simply by believing, why would you try and finish now by doing if you begun by believing? Praise God. It's beautiful, isn't it? 
I want my wonder back. Anybody else want their wonder back? I want my wonder back. You know how the early church started in so much wonder? They were in so much in wonder that there was only one explanation people on the street could give for the way they acted. They're drunk. They're drunk. I want to be that much in wonder. I want to be that much in wonder. I know what it's like. Mary McKenna, you told the story about being full of the Spirit on the day your sister died. And you and your friends were praying and you were praising God. You were praising God in the very house as people came into the house to see that your sister had died. You were full of the Holy Spirit and in that moment you were praising God. That's what it is to be full of the Holy Spirit. is to know that nothing that happens to you in this world can change who God declares you to be. Only unbelief can rob you of that. Only unbelief. And unbelief will sneak up on you slowly, you know. All you've got to do is hang around a message that says, well, yes, but. Well, it's not quite as simple as that. You have to sort of do this and do that. No. A little leaven. Only a little bit. Leavens the whole bunch. Only a little. Praise God. Father in heaven, oh, we just thank you for your Holy Spirit who restores to us the joy of our salvation. Father, I just know, Lord, that there's so much more in us that's going to come out, Lord. It's like a, it's like a tsunami of joy and, and, and excitement, Lord. And uh, Father, we just know there's so much liberty that the carnal mind can't accept it. And people look and they'll say, what, you, you must be believing something wrong to be that happy. Aren't you supposed to be miserable to be a Christian? Father, thank you for restoration of the gospel. Thank you, Lord, for setting us free from performance. Thank you that we got to the end of ourselves. Thank you that we got exhausted. Thank you that we couldn't do it anymore. Thank you that we saw through all the false promises of religion. Thank you, Lord, that we could see by your spirit the truth that you never changed your mind about us. And your name for us has been eternal, from eternal to eternal. And Father, fill us full of that spirit that we can go into this world and we can look at people and see them differently. Help us to see people differently, Lord. Thank you for this fellowship. Thank you for each other. Thank you for our, our friendship we have together. Thank you that we love each other because, Lord, you've healed our hearts of performance. Thank you that there's no competition amongst us, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we're growing. And we've got, we got a lot to grow, Lord. But, but, Lord, you've put us in a wide open space. We have plenty of room to grow. We're in a grace greenhouse. And, Lord, in the year to come, we want to grow and grow and grow and grow. So there's just joy bursting out of us, Lord. And so we see people saved all around us because as we walk down the street, we're so full of your presence, people have a metanoia around us. Because when we speak, we don't speak condemnation. We speak life. We have a message of reconciliation, Lord. We have a ministry of reconciliation. We have good news for this city. God was in Christ reconciling you to himself and is now no longer counting your sins against you. Father, fill your spirit. Fill your church with that spirit, Lord that we would be a people who no longer count to. We ask this in Jesus' name. Praise God.